drops in you know it's time to begin and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks making your life better working hard using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're proud of you and we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week third love and health iq they're bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i am your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy we spent all day at the happiest place on earth, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Yeah, we did a uh, Disney weekend this weekend, and um, whew, we are we are tuckered, but we we had we had some fun. Yeah, you did the whole fam, right? Yep, yep. Brought the fam down, whipped them up, you know, got them into frenzied, very excited messes, and then said, "Okay, now it's time for bed. Go to bed. Go to bed." And then we got <laughs> them up again, and we out. whipped them up again, and then go to bed again. You know, it was, nice. it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, did they have a favorite ride at the at the old uh, Magic Kingdom? So my youngest favorite ride is the carousel, which mm. uh, you might think like you go to Disney, you go to the carousel. Let's just say Disney loses money on us with the amount of times that she rides the carousel. Mm. Um, my oldest, she was probably split between, um, depending on who asks her, Space Mountain and or um, uh, Radiator Springs in uh, mm. California Adventure. Nice. Excellent. Fun. Yeah. Well, it is uh we're in we're in full on November and that means there's lots to talk about in the world of games. Uh we are heading toward that holiday season. All the big releases are coming out. We got news and we have an awesome guest to talk all of that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week I am so excited because DLC stands for dedicated to that lime green console because we have a project manager at xbox and a woman in gaming lead katarina macedo is with us for the first time hello katarina hello everyone uh it's an honor to be here thank you so much for inviting me oh my goodness it's an honor for us to have you and and we're delighted um you come highly recommended so i'm very <laughs> excited to to finally chat with you um what, can you tell me a little bit about what a woman in gaming lead does? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's I basically have two jobs. Uh, being a woman in gaming lead is one of them. Uh, so within Xbox and for uh, the entire gaming industry, we run a community, which is the women in gaming community, uh, where we try to have a place for all the women that work in gaming or that want to work in gaming in the future uh, have a place to go and have uh, resources and people to go to for advice, for uh, support, and anything they may need. 
Um, and so uh, we have uh, inside Xbox, we have over 400 women now already. So it's a pretty big community. We run a lot of internal events uh, where we get together um, and just celebrate uh, all of the awesome work that we all do. Uh, and it's 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 been an amazing experience. I, I got involved with the community about three years ago. Uh, and this year I get to be one of the leads, which which has been an amazing experience to just see how we can actually empower um, women in our gaming industry. It's really cool. I, I read your, um, I guess it was a Tumblr post uh, about how this is sort of your dream job to work at Xbox and how you told your mom about it. And she was one of the only people that understood what it meant to you. It, it's such a heartwarming tale uh, that you, you know, you wanted to work for Xbox. You got the job. You yeah. moved to America for it, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I can I can tell a little bit of the story. if uh, Please, our, yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so working at Xbox was actually a dream of mine for about 10 years. Um, so I'm from Portugal. Uh, I lived in Portugal for 26 years of my life um, and then only moved to the U.S. about three years ago. Um, and when I was back back there, um, I was always a big Xbox fan. I used to compete in both Halo and Gears of War. Uh, and so Xbox was actually a very, very big part of my life. Um, and when it came to decide what I wanted to do um, and what I wanted to study for college, I was like, OK, I think I want to do this gaming thing. I think I'm going to be a game developer. Um, so I ended up deciding to uh, go for a computer um, computer science degree. Um, and, uh, I was doing a lot of esports uh, tournaments on the side. So I had like a small startup back in Portugal where we organized a lot of Xbox tournaments. Um, and I got into Microsoft at the time with a completely unrelated job back in Portugal, just because I was kind of trying to find my way into Xbox. Um, honestly, growing up, I had very little support in both my gaming habits and, uh, my pursuit of a gaming career. Um, but I think I've convinced everyone that um, those were all really good calls. <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome>. uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, when I, when, I first, when I first moved to the US, I actually didn't move for the Xbox uh, role, but I thought I, would get, I, I was getting closer. Um, and then when I finally got the job at Xbox, uh, I perfectly remember this. Um, so my now manager uh, called me in to say that I, I did get the role that I had applied for and that I interviewed for. And I was like trying to keep it buried together in front of him and like, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm going to do my best. And thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and I remember like the first step I took out of the building <laughs> when we were done with that conversation was like my immediate thing was I'm going to call my mom and I called mm. my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going to be working at Xbox. And I just started crying and she started crying because we were just like, I think she's the only person in the world that knew how much that meant to me. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's it was a very special moment. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And uh I, it just warms my heart. I have a grin on my face the whole time you were talking. It's just the <laughs> coolest story. And I just can't wait for you to tell your mom that you finally are on the DLC podcast because I'm sure that's oh, yeah. like the next, the next <laughs> so, step along the... Uh... <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll probably have to translate everything we're saying, but that, that will be fine. <laughs> uh, well, we're excited to have you. And uh, let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Lots of discussion on the subreddit this week about our discussion uh, about Blizzard and BlizzCon last week. And a lot of people actually very critical, particularly of my position on that and uh, my willingness to talk about Blizzard games again and get excited about Blizzard games again. Uh, I got a lot of emails. I got a lot of tweets. I got a lot of people saying they were disappointed in me. Um, Several people saying they won't listen to the show anymore. Um, And certainly all of that uh, I can understand. I, I can understand if you are somebody that is a, a super hard line about this. And um, I didn't interpret their their apology or lack thereof as um, exactly what I would have hoped for. And I certainly hope that me qualifying it last week as a win didn't imply that I meant it was the win, <laughs> the win that I had hoped for uh, in, in, in regard to their behavior or changing their behavior. Uh, it, it did seem to me like it could be interpreted as a win, as a baby step in the right direction, and at least um, a feeling that that some of that is being heard. But I heard from a lot of people saying, you know, that isn't good enough for them, and that isn't good enough to hear from me. And I certainly took a lot of that to heart, and um, it's a complicated thing. I think what you heard last week was Christian and I working through our feelings in real time uh, that are really complicated. You know, it's, it's about holding two very distinct positions in our brains at the same time, very disparate positions, very contradictory positions uh, as, as fans and as uh, citizens of the world who want the companies that we endorse and that we patronize to be uh, good global actors. And the fact that that butts up against the things that we enjoy and the products that we want to purchase uh, isn't easy. And it happens to a lot of companies, not just Blizzard, but a lot of companies. And um, it was hard. I think it's a hard thing. It continues to be difficult and I continue to struggle with it. And I hope that what came through last week was Christian and I both struggling with it and figuring out how we feel and what we're okay with and not really knowing any easy answers to that. But I wanted to bring it up right at the top of the show as a, um, a, a means of appreciating all the feedback that we got and all of the really um, well thought out and respectful responses and people uh, expressing disappointment in, in us or mostly me, really. Uh, and I can understand that. And I, I'm still not certain how I feel. I'm still not certain what the way forward is. I certainly hope for better from all of the companies that I patronize uh and blizzard in particular because they're so close to my heart um before we get to story of the week um katarina i don't know if it's something you're able to comment on but i wonder if maybe we can talk about it in terms of microsoft as as being someone that's part of a big global corporation um do you ever worry about sort of um geopolitical influences on the company and things uh, you know being associated with somebody that might um, act in a way that you don't feel comfortable with? Um, yeah. So everything I will say, though, will be at more of a personal level and opinion more than um, as a representative of Microsoft. Certainly. Uh, but we definitely, on our day-to-day work, um, absolutely, in every single feature we develop and every uh, every single product we develop, think about how 
um, those products and features will impact uh, different cultures in different countries, uh, given uh, that we do ship worldwide and uh, our products um, are available worldwide. Um, so that's a very, very big uh, concern of ours. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're always very respectful of every culture. Uh, we also have very strong cultural values within Microsoft. And so we also make sure that whatever we do, we are also abiding by them. Um, and so, uh, especially me coming from Portugal, when I'm working here in the US, obviously there, there's always very different cultural uh, differences. And I do try to bring that different perspective into the workplace and make sure that we are thinking about our customers worldwide, uh, because it's very easy to fall into the trap of, uh, okay, we're here in the US, our biggest audience is here in the US, let's, let's make sure we're doing things for them. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also true that uh, every other cu customer um, everywhere else is as valuable as everyone here. Um, and so it's something that, that it's pretty close to my heart and that I, I really try to, to bring that perspective into, into our work. Yeah. Uh, Christian, is there anything you wanted to add before we move on to the story of the week proper? Oh, sure. Uh, <clears throat> two quickies, I guess. One for uh, BlizzCon and Blizzard last week. Yeah, thank you for everybody who reached out one way or the other. Um, I read it all. I appreciate everybody, uh, especially not especially not one is better than the other, but uh, I really value the people who disagreed with me and and reached out and let me know. Um, as I mentioned at the top of this show, I was at Disney this weekend. Nothing problematic there. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it 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 is complicated, and I'm still not sure how or or, or what I would have done differently last week in regard to BlizzCon and um, visiting my my friend. But I do appreciate everybody that reached out. I, it really meant a lot to me that um, it means so much to our listeners. And I yeah. think we have some of the best listeners in the world because of their passion and, and their dedication to their morals and values. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. The second part of it is I'm curious, um, Katerina, while we have you, Growing up outside of the U.S., like I, I am a very U.S. centric focused gamer, and I feel like the the world, my bubble that I grew up in, is mm -hmm. there's U.S. gaming and then Japanese gaming, and of course, I'm aware that gaming happens everywhere else. But I'm curious, like specifically to you, before you were in gaming in any way, shape, or form, how did you feel gaming culture was pitched or sold to you um, in in Europe or in Portugal, or what that kind of experience is like outside of us like what the united states or, or japanese gaming cultures yeah um uh honestly growing up uh we i always found uh communities of very passionate people around gaming um obviously there are bigger and smaller communities so um uh, in europe i feel like and especially in portugal uh we are uh obviously playstation has a big market share and so uh, many of my friends were actually like, they were way more involved in both PC gaming and PlayStation. And also the biggest um, game out there is actually FIFA. So mm, sure. um, yeah. And so, and so it was always, um, the gaming culture is very around uh, both FIFA, League of Legends and more of those games, more than the games that I used to play. So I did end up playing a lot of online, like uh, I, I ended up playing a lot online and with a lot of people from the US. Um, but uh, I still think that there's a very, very big gaming community, both in Europe and Portugal, that's very valuable 
for us when we're thinking about developing games and developing um, and developing features and products, where it's just so interesting that we usually don't put um, Europe in the center of what we build, but it, I, I believe in there's such a big potential of people that are willing to just invest in what we do. Um, that's just very interesting to me. Obviously, uh, I think um, we also have a big opportunity in supporting a lot of uh, indie game companies that are in Europe and Portugal, which is a different aspect of like, it's not the gamers, it's the people who build games. Um, I have a lot of friends uh, back in Europe that have any companies with highly successful games uh, that they've shipped. Um, and I think there's a lot of talent and I think people, um, I, I hope people are watching because I think there will, there will be some wonderful things in the upcoming years uh, that will come out of, of there. Yeah, I think that is very exciting to see games from the perspective of people all over the world and all different kinds of people. And as this, this medium continues to mature, I think we're going to see more and more and more of that. And it's really exciting. Um, so that's cool. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's delve into story of the week proper as we normally do. And Katerina, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would Ooh. you consider to be your story of the week? My story of the week. Um, I think the, I don't know if you have had the chance of playing Outer Worlds, but mm -hmm. Outer Worlds released, um, I believe this week, last week, one of them. <laughs> last week, yes. Yeah. And uh, I've had the chance of playing just a couple of hours, so I, I can't I can properly um, talk about it. But it's been amazing to see how people are so excited about this um, the new game, and it's been so wonderful to see how um, there have been a few articles uh, stating how um, successful it has been, both in terms of sales. Um, it's also included, and I promise this is not an ad, but it's also included in Game Pass, and people have been super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's um, it's been very exciting. I I can't wait to dive in. I'm just trying to finish the what the the other games that I'm playing uh, before, because <laughs> well, I, I think. think yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I think I think there will be a lot of hours that I will spend in that game. Oh, yes, awesome. for sure. <laughs> yeah, Christian and I have both been playing it, and it is excellent. Uh, we talked about it a lot last week about uh, how great it is, and I think maybe the week before, too. Um, oh, well. <laughs> the, no, 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 not to – believe me. We'll we'll talk about it but, for months. Uh, it's, uh, also, it was, our, it was uh, our game of E3. Well, yeah, we've been very excited about it. Uh, go we ahead, also talk about Game Pass a lot, so you don't yes. need to be the ad for Game Pass. <laughs> I feel like – awesome. We we are far too often. <laughs> well, I, I think that's – for me, that's the really interesting part of this story for Story of the Week in the sense that we, we got Private Division, which is, of course, the publishing label of Take-Two that put out Outer Worlds, had a, a earnings call uh, that was specifically dedicated to the, the uh, Private Division section of the company. And uh, they said that uh, Outer Worlds has been a commercial success for the company, even surpassing, it says, quote, handily exceeded expectations, which is great. I think uh, it's great because the game is reviewing really well. We both, uh, Christian and I both loved it. Sounds like Katarina's loving it. Uh, it is an excellent game and it deserves to, I think, the success. And we're all happy for the success it's seeing. But I think for me, the interesting angle on this is that it is part of Game Pass, which I would assume would sort of 
hurt sales in a, in a sense. And I wonder how they're calculating this. They're saying it exceeded expectations. Uh, we're in a new paradigm here with games that are part of larger services where you're, you know, you're paying your $10 a month and you just get Outer Worlds anyway. I wonder how that is all calculated, what they consider a success, if the game is selling units in addition to Game Pass and how that all works now. It's interesting that it's a, it's a big success, but I don't, I don't even know what that means anymore. Katarina, I wonder, I don't know if you have any insight into this, but even if you don't, what you think about this new place that the gaming world is in where a game isn't just, it's not just about the pure sales number of a, of a game. Yeah, so I actually do not have any insights into it, um, but I know, like, I'm super excited to see um, how our industry is actually evolving into this world of like it's not about paying sixty bucks for a game anymore. There's so many ways of releasing a game now. Uh, obviously, free to play with microtransactions, all the new subscriptions that we have, like Game Pass. Um, and how the games will then decide, like, which platforms am I going to launch my game in? Which, what kind of deals can I do? Should I just release it as a free-to-play? And how can I monetize uh, my game? It's very, very interesting. And I think it does make it way harder to understand what success means, and especially monetary success. Uh, but I think uh, as we're maturing, that will, that will become clearer. But I think it's very, very interesting to see what happens. So... One thing that I do think that Game Pass does really help with games, and especially smaller games, not really Outer Worlds, which obviously had a big release, um, is about discoverability. There's so many games out there um, that uh, essentially people that do have do subscribe to these uh, game subscriptions um, end up finding new games that they probably would have never played because they. Uh, were gated by some price points that they had to make. And so I think that's a very interesting world. And I think it relates really well. So, for example, if you have a Netflix um, subscription, you probably will end up uh, watching a lot of shows uh, that you would not have if um, you had to pay for each, every single one of them. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that's a really interesting perspective and angle to bring up on this. But I think as Netflix has grown and the amount of original content has mm -hmm. exploded, I think they have run into that problem of discoverability. Do you think the the fact that Game Pass, at least as it's constituted now, the fact that it is a, a limited number of games and games are, are removed and added, and so it's kind of a small curated you know, it's not small, it's over a hundred, but you know, it's, it's a it's much smaller than what you would find on Netflix, for example. Uh, do you think that helps in the, in the sense that this is a, a smaller snapshot and it's not this big sprawling endless list that things can get lost in? Yeah, personally, I think it helps. I mean, me as a user, I like having a limited set of things that I can pick from, uh, where it doesn't feel as overwhelming. I also think it's incredibly smart that they tap into the fear of missing out which I suffer from a lot. And so yeah. it's like, oh, next month, this game is going away. You better play it now. Um, right. So I think that's, that's also really smart and that really helps. Uh, and so even games, again, that you probably would have never played, if it's going away next month, you at least will try and install it and play for a little bit to see if it's like actually worth your time. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I find that very, very interesting. It's just creating a lot of new behaviors on gamers. 
Yes, and I think interestingly so. And, and it, like I said, there's a new paradigm. It's an it's a new frontier that we're into. That is the it's the Netflixification a bit, as we've been talking about on the show for a long time. Uh, but I, I hearken back to the early days of the Xbox 360, and uh, the you know I remember sleeping on the concrete and getting my mm-hmm. Xbox 360, and then coming home and being super excited about Geometry Wars. And oh, so it good. felt like every week there were new games coming out to Xbox Live Arcade that were super exciting. It was like, oh my gosh, there's only two more games coming out. And what are those? And am I going to get those? And it was just this new thing that felt really exciting and cool. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road, Xbox Live Arcade had so many games in it that it just felt like this endless sea where things could get lost. And I, I think it's smart, as you said, to have a more curated, smaller list for Game Pass as it stands now, but I wonder if the temptation will be there to let that thing grow and get out of hand. Yeah, I think it will be very interesting to see where where we go. I think a lot uh, of what the team is doing uh, is actually listening to feedback and listening to what our users want. Um, and so I think a lot of those decisions will actually be guided by user feedback, which honestly, I think it's the best way to go. Um, it's a new world, so no one really has all the right answers. Um, and I'm sure like pe- as people try to do these subscriptions, as people try to do microtransactions within games, there will be times where people fail and it's not really what um, up to users' expectations. And there will be times where um, people will get it right. And so yeah. I think it will just be very, very interesting to see where we land in, in a, like two years' time, five years' time and see yeah. what the landscape looks like by then. Yeah, and with new consoles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Christian... What do you think? Is less more in this situation? Are you are you happy with how Game Pass is working, or are you would you like more Netflix, Amazon Prime style, everything, all the time? I mean, our listeners know that I'm a big fan of the service, but I I, I think that while it might help focus my um, uh, analysis paralysis or like constant scrolling of like you know not knowing what to watch, so I just sit and scroll through everything. Um, by having less, I feel like, of course, the answer is more, (laughs) give me, give me all of it. And then it's up to me to, to worry about my own anxieties. There's an article, it was from, um, gamesindustry.biz summit. And this was from like late October, uh, where they had, I'm going to probably get his name wrong, but Augustino Simonetta, Simonetta, who talking about ID at Xbox stuff. And, and so Katarina probably knows this but to our listeners i think jeff i shared this with you um at some point in october i thought it was interesting and it was just kind of talking about the learnings of game pass and they said that subscribers are playing 40 percent more games including titles outside the game pass catalog um they're trying a, players are trying a wider variety of games 91 percent of subscribers say they've played a title they would not try without game pass they're playing 30 percent more genres than they did before and then there was a, a anecdote at the end as well that when um, After Party, um, uh, Oxen Free, friends of the show, uh, love their games, uh, came out releasing day and date on Game Pass. It also, they talked about how they saw, were seeing sales on other platforms as well. So it's kind of the idea of like, I, I think part of the speech, having not attended it, but just reading the article, summa, summation on um, gamesindustry.biz. But it, there's a fear, I think, to some extent of devaluing content 
by bundling it with a subscription. And so to use Disney Plus as an example, which is launching this week, where if Endgame or these big Marvel movies and Disney movies are going to be on the service you're already paying, you know, whatever it is, $8 a month for, two months after it's out in theaters, you know, why rush out to see it in theaters? And so to bring up the PlayStation example, the thing that I would always hear this generation as well is like when a new indie came out on PlayStation, you know, you'd see the forum threads that would be talking about like, well, it's going to be on PlayStation Plus soon enough, right? Like before Xbox started games, uh, games with gold. And then that got thrown into it as well. Like it looks good, but I already have too many games. It'll be a game with gold soon enough. And now I think with these things like Game Pass and Sony kind of upping or putting more marketing, it feels like behind PlayStation now, I think that there is, and whether it's just anecdotal or, or real or not, this idea or this fear of people not wanting to spend the money for the big release in the hope that it will come to their catalog subscription service that they're already paying for later, or there's already so many games in those subscription services that unless it's um, Halo Infinite or Last of Us Part 2 or like um, Mario Odyssey 2 or, you know, Pokemon Sword and Shield, I guess, to say a, a real game um, across platforms. Like, unless it's that kind of thing, why rush out and buy or spend anything? And I feel like what this speech was or, or this conference talk was kind of trying to um, quell some of that. It's like, hey, these people that are subscribing are playing more, they're spending more, they're outside of that. But I, I'm curious to see how that tracks over the next few years. I'm well, this very story, curious. This story that we're talking about that sparked this whole conversation yes. is exactly that. And that's, I think, what was so interesting about it is Private Division saying, hey, this is a huge seller that that outstripped our expectations. And it's also part of the subscription service that, yeah. that a lot of people are playing it through that, you know. So I, I don't know how that's all calculated, what they're they, – they don't go into – exactly what they consider to be a commercial success. Are they saying it's a commercial success because X number of thousands of people played it on Xbox game pass or because they bought it? I would assume if they're talking commercial success, they want people to buy it. So I don't, I don't think that they they've cannibalized their market in any way, but I don't, I just don't know how that's all being calculated at this point. Yeah. It's fat. I think it's only going to become more fascinating as uh, you know, clouds sure. and subscriptions take over and, and, it, 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 we're in a brave we're in the beginning of a brave new world yeah. um yeah, i don't know well speaking of brave new worlds what is your story of the week Mr. you might know we've talked about it a little bit before you and i have and it there still aren't any real new information about this thing but i can't stop thinking about it and it's this rumor about valve partnering with apple for an ar headset yeah um and it's this is through like digitimes and mac rumors you're seeing like the normal mac rumor sources and the the rumors are that it's second half of 2020, which seems like, oh, that seems very soon. Um, but that Valve is working on design and kind of tinkering with and Apple bringing their expertise um, over to kind of bring uh, a mainstream headsetable glasses like AR headset to the market. And this certainly is something that we've seen before with Valve you know, partnering with other manufacturers to um, make hardware. And it's certainly something we've seen with Apple before as well. I think except usually Apple like partners with somebody and then buys them or steals their tech. <laughs> I'm not sure which one. But I think that's the other the other brave frontier of along with subscription services, I think is this race to AR 
uh, Microsoft with uh, HoloLens certainly in that race as well. I think that's a, a very exciting frontier where we're going to see gaming get into that space. And I think Valve, if true, you know, making a big push into the AR space, I, I think is fascinating, truly fascinating. Yeah, it's certainly a uh, a tantalizing pairing, right? Uh, Valve, who has made what is my favorite VR headset currently, the Index, um, seems to be wanting to push the envelope. They've certainly put a ton of effort into R&D for both VR and AR and uh, uh, touch capacity inputs and all kinds of um, stuff there. You hear all these stories coming out of their labs of really trying to get those techs into a place that is, uh, you know, pushing the envelope. And you have Apple who's looking for their next big, broad mass media consumer electronics product. You know, the watch is the watch and it's doing fine, but it didn't really become, I think, the earth shattering thing that the, that the smartphone turned into. And I think a lot of people are predicting that what that next consumer electronics product is, is a pair of glasses that are fashionable and interesting and add augmented reality to our lives, but aren't these big bulky VR headsets that need to be tethered to things. They're, you know, what, what Apple does makes things cool. Uh, what do you think about this, Katarina? Are you ready for the AR future? Do you think that 2020 holiday is a realistic time window for this? Um, I don't know. It's actually, I am one of those people that still is still not super bought into the whole VR, AR um, aspect of things. Well, uh, you've come to the right place because we convince people so here. At least I try to. <laughs> <laughs> but no, go ahead. Um, no, it's so I actually I've been exploring a little more with VR because I was like, OK, so everyone talks about that. Um, I'm I'm always very sec- skeptical, but I want to make sure that like I'm seeing the whole picture. So I've actually been playing around a lot um, with a few with the two versions of Oculus. Uh, by the way, Beat Saber is absolutely amazing and very addicting. And it's an actual problem. But <laughs> see, you just said you're not you're not on board yet, and then you said Beat Saber. No, Beat is... Saber is amazing. Yeah, as a see, former, yeah, as a former Guitar Hero um, like player, that game hits all the right spots. Um, <laughs> so good. And there's and so, like now that I just loaded it up for the first time in a while the other night, and I saw those new the Panic at the Disco pack, and they've got like oof. they're getting like legit i mean the music that they have already was pretty cool but this is like legit stuff you'd hear on the radio now and i'm like oh we're getting to that like you said we're getting to that guitar hero place where it's gonna be all the music i want in beat saber and did you see the uh one thing that got me super excited was actually the 360 video um that they're uh that they came out with to announce that they now yeah have like a 360 vision within the game and you kind of have to turn around yeah, um, they're doing a whole. I, my understanding is they're doing a whole version that's that's yep. 360, and it's just gonna be you're just gonna be a real Jedi. You're gonna be a real Jedi of the beats. But after exactly. that, they're gonna do a version that's just one. Also, <laughs> just to follow the naming convention that works so well. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we deserve that. <laughs> um, and so, basically, um, anyways, this was a totally off topic, but. Um, I think it's very interesting if the rumors are true that like Apple is 
is partnering with Valve, I, I would be super interested to see what they come with because it's a very, I think both companies have a very different skill set and approach of doing things, but somehow it seems very exciting that they both would work on something together. Um, so I would be super um, excited to try and see what they came out with. Uh, I think getting AR right um, in more of a sense, as you were describing, Jeff, about uh, making it truly part of our lives and something that no one can live without like the smartphone is today, uh, will be challenging and uh, definitely not in the time frame of 2020. Um, yeah, right. That's true. But yeah, but but I think I think it's it's fascinating that um, it's I, I try to think about that often more in the sense of like how we currently live our lives within the cities that we have and how it's a space that has so much potential for growth and innovation and it's just so slow um, that I'm kind of excited how AR can probably spur up a bunch of changes of how we live our lives on our day to day and how we interact with businesses in our cities, how we interact with our own home, how we interact with people, how we go to work. Um, that's just very exciting to me uh, without the need to change a lot of the basic infrastructures we have around, you know, roads and how we go yeah. shopping and all of that. So I think yeah. it'll be really exciting to see. I agree. I think it is it is as disruptive potentially as as paradigm shifting as the smartphone was I, to have a display that is in your in your vision all the time that can give information i don't even think we realize how big a change that can be you know our kids and our kids kids are gonna live in a world that that's just normal and i, I think in the yeah. way that cell phones are just normal for us uh and it is uh, i think it's gonna be really exciting but my my fantasy version of this deal is that someone at apple walked in the door and sat down with gabe newell and said what's it gonna take for us to get a Half-Life 3. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> well, we need a lot of your money and well, let's partner on something. And so my, my hope is that uh, it leads to that. But no, seriously, the... the uh, Half-Life 3 I, is now confirmed to be an AR game. <laughs> dude, I would be so happy about that. That would be the most, the coolest thing ever. Um, and I, I agree with you 100% that 2020 seems like a pie in the sky idea for what Apple... But looking back on it, it might be perfect. <laughs> 2020 is hindsight. You're right. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the thing with Apple is that they are never really first to market on anything, but they're best to market on things. You know, they don't, they weren't the first people to make a smartphone, but they came in and made the coolest smartphone and changed everything. Same with the watch. They weren't the first people to make the smartwatch, but they sort of owned the coolest version of the smartwatch what about I mean, the first to make a wireless mouse you had to plug in with the mouse being upside down so you can't use it while it's charging yes they were the first people to put a little touch lcd display on your keyboard for no reason whatsoever what about the, the first thing they person can do is me? they can still sell that mouse which is like incredible oh, yeah. To me. <laughs> yeah. yeah or uh, my stylus for my ipad that can impale me when it charges like that's right. they, they were the first to they were the first to do that. So you never know, Jeff. They might I, be the first to sell glasses I that don't suspect, fit on your head. I suspect what will happen is this will be uh, several years away. But when it happens, Apple will be the people that are like, we've invented AR technology. And it was like, but we've, lots of people have put it out. And like, no, no, ours is cool. It's like, oh, no, you're right. Yours is cool. 
but I'm ready. I'm ready for that revolution to happen. So color me excited. Well, I will oh, with the, my AR glasses. You Whatever color, color excited is, I'll I think I think they need to be contacts instead of glasses. Oh, uh, you just want to skip glasses altogether? Yes, yes okay. absolutely. What about just microchipping my neck? Well, you know, I'm ready for that. If they <laughs> if they if they have the tech to do that, I would be totally ready for that. All right, you and me. Well, let's just we'll I've, just be I've cyborgs. Yeah, that's season one, Black Mirror. That that goes yeah. the, that goes the wrong way. That goes the wrong way. Glasses, glasses. You two are going to leave a review after this podcast of how well I did here. How many likes do you need? Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's take a quick break and thank our first sponsor, which is. Third love. I love it when third love sponsors, uh, mostly because my wife is very happy about uh, the fact that third love sponsors because uh, it's her favorite bra. Um, it turns out that bras can be uncomfortable and difficult to purchase. Third love solved both of those things, mostly because uh, people, women, people who wear bras uh, of all shapes and sizes often get the wrong bra the wrong shape and size of their bra because they're often mismeasured or, or missized and, and third love fixed that in a number of ways what they did was see they introduced a bunch of extra sizes they have uh, more sizes than most other brands more than 80 sizes of bra including their signature half cup sizes and then they made a super convenient super easy to use fit finder quiz uh, just takes a, a couple of minutes and you answer a, a few simple questions and then you find your perfect fit of bra. Over 14 million women have taken the quiz to date and they've used that data to make it better and better and better. It's actually fun to take. It takes less than a minute. I said a couple of minutes. It takes less than a minute to, to uh, take the quiz and um, that it, you find out the best fit for bras. My wife swears by third love at this point she has multiple third love bras christian i know your wife is the same right yeah i mean what do you think was the first in the bag and the first out when we were in disney though yeah like no no joke no exaggeration they're always the first thing packed first things used uh the things that she keeps ordering like we got a free sample yes she has definitely bought many more since that sample and they have a perfect fit promise so every customer that buys a third love bra, has 60 days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test. And then if they don't love it, they return it. And the coolest thing is if that happens, third love will then wash it and donate it to a woman in need. So there's really no risk. You're doing a good thing even by giving it a shot at all. But chances are you're going to love it like our wives have. Uh, they got fit stylists are, who are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone and make sure you're getting the perfect fit and returns and exchanges are free and easy. It's the most comfortable bra you'll own. Straps that won't slip, tagless labels. It's the best. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners to DLC 15% off their first order. If you go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now, you'll find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC, T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC for 15% off today. Check it out. I guarantee you're going to love it. They guarantee it. They got a, a perfect fit promise. All right. 
So my story of the week, there's a lot to choose from here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the fact that Death Stranding, which launched uh, on Friday, debuted at double the number of streaming viewers as League of Legends. It was the top streamed game on Twitch, had 182,000 viewers on the streaming platform. Uh, And um, League of Legends was in second place with FIFA in third. Uh, But League of Legends was in second place with 98,000 viewers. And FIFA 20 was in third with 88.4 thousand viewers. So Death Stranding was crushing it on Twitch. And you notice that the other games that are on this list, uh, League of Legends in the in the top five here, League of Le- Le- Legends, FIFA 20, Hearthstone, Fortnite, all of these games, competitive multiplayer games, Death Stranding, of course, a single-player story-based game. And I think this kind of fits in what, with what we were talking about with Outer Worlds as well, about sort of defining success because I think any game would be thrilled to have double the Twitch viewers of a league of legends. But I, I wonder if in this particular case with death stranding, it's a positive thing or a negative thing. I mean, they say there's never any such thing as, as bad publicity, right? But is this the fact that people are just checking this game out, not knowing if they, what it is really wondering what it is and, are people watching it on Twitch instead of buying it, instead of playing it themselves? Is this a situation where we're going to get sales numbers for Death Stranding and they're actually lower because people are just watching it on Twitch instead? What do you think, Katerina? That's a very interesting point. Um, I, I'm i not sure. Um, it is. It is a... Uh, it is a problem that people have brought up and publishers have brought up when they do uh, single-player games where uh, people do stop buying them and they uh, would rather watch their favorite streamer actually playing the game uh, instead of actually playing themselves. Uh, but I think it hasn't affected sales number as much. And I doubt that with Death trending that will be the case as well. Now, I think that the very interesting thing about this game is that it was so... The marketing was so weird and people still don't understand what the game is about, even after it came out, that I think a lot of those viewers um, are trying to figure out what the game is and if the game is for them and if it's actually worth the investment by watching all the streams. Um, And I also think that because the game is so different from everything that has come out ever of any games, uh, yeah. I think people are just so curious to see how other people react when they discover things in the game and how the gameplay plays. And um, yeah, I think I think the game is very unique, and people are genuinely curious. I doubt that it will affect um, sales. It's going to be interesting to see if we get if we get exact numbers or where it sits in NPDs, mm-hmm. um, Christian. What do you make of of this? You know, do you think this is and actually a negative thing for Death Stranding. It's certainly an enigmatic game where people are like everything Katarina said, people are just, you know, curious as well. They should be. And it is something new. And I think, you know, you want to check out the new thing before you, you plunk down your money for it. But do you think this will end up being a, a negative in the long run? 
Not for Death Stranding in particular. I don't think it will negatively affect its its sales. I think for the most part, people who are willing to just watch a game or that game and and not want to experience it likely weren't going to um, pick it up themselves. Um, I, I do think that we've already seen a shift in types of games, though, because of how streaming shifts the landscape. I mean, there's obviously still room for large single player uh, narrative based games uh, in within gaming, but also that type of game that is uh, immediately replayable and you jump right in and works as a streaming game is a consideration that what five years ago, two years ago, I don't know, 10 time. I'm bad at time, but you know, just a few years ago, didn't come into the conversation the same way. Yes. We talked about multiplayer games and stuff like that, but not games. I mean, you and I both get uh, press materials like games pitched as the next big streaming game and like what makes it great for streamers and, and why your audience is going to love it and why they're going to want to engage with it. And so it's something that developers are already taking into account when creating their game. So I think that's the change we're seeing more so than people necessarily not purchasing the large marquee single player games because they just watch streams of it instead. And I think particularly for a game like Death Stranding, that is as big as it is and as um, I'll use the word complex, narratively complex as it is. I don't think it, it, it watching streams runs the same risk as um, like Telltale's Walking Dead, you know, like that style of a shorter narrative based game where the story is much more succinct, um, and, and I don't know if streaming is necessarily the problem for narrative based games either. You look at some of the big sites, um, you know, your game spots, your IGNs or whatever, and it feels like my timing could be off, but it feels like day and date of a release. It's like gears five cinematics, watch them. Here they are like, that's part of coverage of games now. And so I think there's a, a larger conversation about, wanting to see and share that stuff apart from watching people stream it. I think for me, Death Stranding, it was people just wanting to know, as Katarina mentioned, what is this game? What's going on? And streamers also actually being curious about it and wanting to show it to their audience. I think having played the game quite a bit, I I think that it will have a long life as a streamed game. I'm not so certain it will be the number one streamed game much longer. Uh, but I suspect there's actually going to be quite a bit of interest in it streamed because it is a game that I think I predicted uh, and I, I suspect will be one of those things where people are trying weird stuff in it. You know, how we saw with Breath of the Wild, all kinds of wonderful outside the box thinking with regard to the physics and, you know, figuring out ways to do break puzzles and do them in ways that the designers didn't intend and, you know, fling yourself across the map and all the kinds of cool things that people found inside the systems of breath of the wild. I think that that will be present with death stranding as well, but just in a completely different kind of way. It's not as nearly as kinetic or wild, but I think that people will find ways to, you know, move items through this world or build things or, you know, create stuff that even Kojima never intended because there are so many weird disparate systems at play in that world. I think I'm really excited to see what streamers are going to do with this game, not just at launch, but a month from now, three months from now, where they're kind of picking around in the corners of things and and breaking stuff and figuring out 
what's possible as you push the envelope of, of all the systems. And I think it can be really cool. And I'm hope, hopeful that that kind of content is going to be as interesting to me as the game has been. So I've so, seen a lot of content about the game. Can you still play after you're done playing the game when you finish the story? Um, how does that work? What's the longevity of? I haven't finished it, so I don't know. But I'm I'm uh, I feel like I'm getting closer. Uh, I will let you know when, when I finish it. But I, I I you know I the game has multiple saves, so you could always go back and save things. Right. But I don't know. I that's a good question. I I have a funny story about this friending so i mean i was uh, at the office on friday and i was waiting for someone to um because i had a meeting with them and in the end of a hallway i start hearing this baby crying and i'm like oh my god there's a baby crying why is there a baby crying and so i run to the end of the hallway of like why is there a baby crying and i go into this office of my coworker who was just like had his controller on his lap and he was just like shaking his head and i'm like oh it's it's you're playing death trending and he was like yeah and i was like oh i was so worried that there was a baby crying because <laughs> he just seemed so distressed um and i came to rescue him but i guess it's not needed so that's, he's like that's no my... yes there is a baby crying i don't know what to do about it yeah uh, my my bb is crying incessantly and i'm trying to nurse it back to... yeah. exactly and he had just started playing the game and he was like i i've been playing the game for an hour um and been watching cutscenes for like 40 minutes and i still don't <laughs> <laughs> don't know what's going on but i'm so hooked already and so that was it <laughs> yeah yeah that's hilarious uh of course christian and i have that same situation with hearing a baby crying uh and it's just flashbacks to our own children um, <laughs> yeah which is also disturbing uh anyway very very cool uh i I'm, I'm so curious to see how this all all shakes out but let's move on and talk about the games that we have been playing uh with babies or not in our segment of the show called The Playlist. Katarina, I am curious what you have been playing. What has been on your playlist this week? So on my playlist this week, I have a long-standing relationship with Destiny 2, uh, mm. which... Every time I'm participating in any of these podcasts or streams and people ask me what I'm playing, the first game is always Destiny 2. Ah. Um, so and it's I actually, probably stronger than ever right now with the with oh, the Shadow Keep out now, right? Absolutely. Um the yeah, the update was absolutely incredible. Uh so I actually I came to Destiny 2 way late in the game. So I started playing March or April this year. Um so wow. I've had a lot of catching up to do. Um, but ever since I started playing, I was super fortunate to have a bunch of friends that were hand-holding me through the first, like, 50 hours of the game, and I could actually understand what I was supposed to do and what I was supposed to chase after. And ever since, honestly, Destiny has kind of taken over my life. Um, <laughs> I tried to make it a very healthy habit, but I don't promise that's always the case. And I probably play way too many hours of Destiny nowadays. Um, but yes, so basically ever since Shadowkeep came out, um, I've been playing a lot of Destiny. The new raids, um, I love doing the raids in Destiny. It's probably my favorite activity. The new raid is absolutely amazing. Super fun to play. Um, all the new weapons and all the timed stuff that you can do during the season 
trying to get the seal before the season ends and it's it's starting to get complicated because work gets in the way but (laughs) work (laughs) yeah but i still have about three weeks left so i i'll try my best to do that so i've been playing a lot of destiny basically that's like my default game I love it. We we talk about games we're married to and games we're dating. It sounds like this is a oh. game you've been married to. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, it is. I'm so curious as to how why it took you this long to fall in love with this game. Did you, Were you just yeah. too busy playing other things? Or why, why? how come you came to it so late? Yeah, so honestly, my default is always multiplayer shooter games like Halo and Gears and Call of Duty. That's basically the games that I usually play. Uh, for long periods of time. And then I play a lot of single-player RPG indie games. That's that's That was kind of my MO throughout my entire life. Um, when I first started playing Destiny 1, so when the first one came out, obviously it, it's made by Bungie, one of my favorite game developers out there. Um, and I was so excited about the game, so excited. I got the game, I played about 10 hours of the game, and I was just so confused. <laughs> I, I I had no idea what I was playing. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I was doing some of the story, but the story was very nonsensical, and I just I just didn't get it. And so I played about ten hours, and I never played Destiny again. Hmm. When Destiny two came out, um, I also think the problem was I actually didn't have anyone that was playing Destiny, and I feel like Destiny is a very social game right. um, that you you do kind of need that sense of community when you're playing it for to keep you engaged. And so when Destiny 2 came out, again, no, not many of my friends were actually into it. And I was given the, the experience I had with the first one, I just didn't even give it a chance, uh, which I regret very dearly right now. But it's, <laughs> it's okay. Bungie, forgive me. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you're making up for lost time. Oh, yeah. Oh, I am. I have <laughs> hundreds of hours, hundreds. Pro- I should not be saying this. I have hundreds of hours into that game right now, and it's been if only anyone like six from months. work is listening. Katarina's <laughs> never played Destiny Two. Doesn't She's know too anything. Busy, too busy trying to save babies at work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, sometimes you know, when I'm having lunch, I might, I may or may not log into <laughs> Destiny just to do some of the bounties. But, anyways, awesome. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, I basically I didn't. It it took me a long time until um, some of my friends here. Uh, we're like, okay, no, like we play so much Destiny, like you have to, you have to get into it. And I'm like, I'll do it if you play everything, like the first ten hours with me. And if I like it, then then I'll keep playing. And so we made that bet, and they basically did that. And it wasn't for ten hours; it was like for fifty. I made a lot of questions. Uh, so one of the wonderful things, actually, you were mentioning the new update for Shadowkeep. One of the great things that they also did. Uh, was the new light update, which really helps new players like I was to not go through the very, very painful experience of going into Destiny and having so much stuff to do that you just feel lost. And so with new light, they actually have a way better experience where you're a new player, you're already at light level or the right power level, uh, so you're not super far behind um in relation to everyone else in the world. And then they just do a very good job of giving you quests to guide you instead of overwhelming you with every single thing that you can do in the game. So it's Mm. like you first land um, on Hearth, and you do a mission where they obviously teach you the basics of the game, but then they guide you of like, hey, this is the first campaign. You should probably go and start doing that. And that's all that's available to you at first. Um, And they, they just 
I do like that. But also the other thing that they did was open the entire world to you, which seems, con uh, yeah, it seems that, that I'm contradicting myself, but uh, what it allows is for you, if you have uh, friends that play Destiny, you can now jump into playing with them right away, which was not possible before. Um, mm. Because you had to go through like playing all the campaigns and playing a bunch right. of PvP and Gambit and all of that before you could actually play with them. And so it's been very interesting because a lot of new players obviously started to play Destiny on Shadowkeep. And so it's always a fun experience to go to the tower and help people um, and help the blueberries doing all the activities in the world. And it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I, I absolutely love the game. I, that comes through. I love it. I love how passionate you are. About oh, I could, it. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. I mean, that's how great is that? Uh, Christian, are you tempted to go back to destiny too? I think you, you know, there was a period there where it was the game you were married to a little bit. Yeah. I still really like destiny. I, I have dabbled with it. I jumped back in a little bit as my saves were allowed to, you know, move between all versions of the game. Um, and because the other thing that I'm very fascinated about with gaming right now is, is Google's entry into it. I've kind of held off on spending too much more time on Destiny until my Stadia founders slash when it's available slash I don't know, does a controller work slash <laughs> games um, edition shows up because it's one of the things that is part of that. Founders Edition purchase price. So that's kind of my next big time sink into Destiny 2 will be seeing how I can, you know, jump from experience or uh, TV to computer and all that stuff and see how it plays and compare it natively to running on PC and um, PlayStation. Where I'm, I guess now my saves are everywhere. I was going to say that's where my main saves are, but I forget that they're all everywhere now. Yes, because we I'm have cross-save now. It's wonderful. I do play yes. on PC and Xbox. And I will play on Stadia because I also pre-ordered it. So, Yeah, I'm super curious to see how that version runs and plays because I feel like it's a game that I know so well that I'll be able to see if like a raid doesn't quite feel right kind of yep. thing. Absolutely. But that's How's not that? the only game that I've been playing. Okay. What else? Um, I've also been playing After Party, which you mentioned before in the podcast. But yeah, um, yeah I've also been playing After Party, which is... Um, I've, I played Oxen Free before, and I absolutely love the game. Um, and honestly, I'm I'm about what three hours into After Party, so not not a long time. But I am loving it. The writing in that game is top notch. I can't think of many other games out there that do uh, dialogue quite as well as these guys do. Um, it's such a fun game. It's such a fun world to explore so you're without giving it too much away because it's really part of the game and i i don't want to spoil anyone uh but the premise of the game you're um two college students who end up in hell because you died but you have no idea how you died or why you're there or what you're ending up uh why did you end up there um and so you're just trying to get out of hell and go back to the world of living which ends up with a lot of drinking and a lot of trying to figure out what all these demon who all these demons are and trying to meet with satan and it's it's just it's sounds weird but it's honestly really really good and amazing and a lot of fun to play with yep. i love the aesthetic of after party oh, yes. it's just such a cool looking game so different than anything else the color palette is so interesting Neon. And, you know yeah it's neon like you you know you think hell you don't really think neon necessarily but 
uh, it's a, such a cool choice for that. It's great. It's yeah. I highly recommend it. Again, that's, that's probably called... what I'm going to do after we we're done here. <laughs> You're like, well, let's <laughs> let's speed this along. I want to play more after party. <laughs> cool. Uh, that's after party, and that is what Katarina has been playing. Christian Spicer, how about you? What have you been playing? This is one of the rare weeks, Jeff, and I, I kind of want to blame uh, blame it on Disney, but that's not really the problem. But this is one of the rare weeks where I haven't really been playing anything new, um, and I have a copy of Death Stranding coming and Need for Speed Heat? Need for Speed colon Yeah, a new something? Need for Speed came out this week, and uh, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody – I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people excited. I hear it's it felt like it, it wasn't good. on my radar at all, yeah. The one yeah. thing I heard about the game is that it has no microtransactions, no DLC, no anything. And so people were surprised about that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, kudos. Heard... Like, we're, we're glad about that, right? I Yeah, I've heard it's a I, reaction. I mean, yeah, Go one ahead. of the articles was not so positive about it because they mm-hmm. were like, oh, uh, does EA not believe in the franchise or the game? Because right. why wouldn't it have microtransactions? So <laughs> yes, an interesting know. take. Yeah, you know, it's a, you can't win, I guess. Either way, you go. It's a, it's a catch-22. Um, but I yeah, so I read they're going to do car packs at some point, but I've kind of held off mm. on reading too much about it until um, my my copies via Gamefly show up. So they're en route. I thought they'd be here for me to get a little, couple, a little time in um, before we recorded, but unfortunately they are not. So I played more Luigi's Mansion 3, which I still think is absolutely phenomenal. It's such a wonderful game, and I, I, what I really want to talk about in regards to it, and I think a lot of Nintendo um, published uh, Switch games, is because I do play my Switch probably 50-50, maybe 60-40, handheld versus um, docked. Uh, when I play in handheld mode, a lot of the time I'm playing with sound off um, because I'm not plugging in headphones, and I'm playing in a handheld, so I'm on a, a bus or you know a plane or uh my kids are asleep next to me uh, kind of scenario. And I think so many of their games and just specifically Luigi's Mansion three is so well designed and not requiring sound. I think the sound design is extraordinary in the game, but you know, the, the dialogue is, is pop-up text-based stuff, but also just the sound cues of, or not sound, the sound cues, the sound cues are incredible. Um, the visual cues of the way Luigi reacts to things and explores the space um, and his kind of walk speed and, and the way he reacts when you pull drawers open and stuff like that, I think is really a testament to that game's design and I think the care that Nintendo puts into a lot of their games, where I don't think every game would work well with its sound off. And all of these Nintendo games on Switch that I can think of as I've kind of gone through and played them, um, while it's not the way I'm sure designers want you to play their games, I feel as if they put that attention to detail in, um, recognizing that I think a lot of gamers playing portably will have the sound turned off or turned very low. And I just was continued to be impressed by it as I was playing in a, a hotel room with a sleeping family all around me. And I was like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm not missing out on much in this experience. It's a, uh, it's really, really well done. Not missing out on much except sleep, you know. Just missing out on that. <laughs> you know, what is sleep for? It's for the right. family. You sleep is overrated. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, says the lady who put in hundreds of hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at, the cost of, have to come from at the cost of sleep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I also have been playing uh, more Death Stranding this week. I played a bunch of VR, which we'll get to shortly, but... Uh, I wanted to read a uh, a post uh, in the uh, DLC subreddit 
about Death Stranding that I thought was pretty interesting. This was posted by Renegade626 over at uh, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, Is that the San title- Diego 626? Maybe. Is that LA? What's 626? Renegade626. I don't know. 616 I thought was San Diego. Don't uh, listen I- to me. I'm sorry for interrupting already. 616 I only know because of uh, Rey Mysterio. That's his finishing move. In the WWE, I'm and googling it. Oh, it's it's uh, hopefully this running. It's uh, San Gabriel Valley. It's at uh, Greater LA. Like, I knew I saw and recognized the area code from somewhere. That's not all. necessarily what it means in his name, though. It anyway. does now. Okay. Anyway, the title <laughs> of this post is "Death Stranding is all the worst parts of video games." Dot dot dot. So why can't I stop playing it? He, he, this uh, Renegade Six Two Six goes on to say. It's the most pretentious thing I've ever seen in games for a designer to basically say, I'm going to take all parts of game design and writing that players hate the most, and that's what I'm going to make my game about. This game had no surprises. Maybe the biggest misdirection was with all that was teased over the years, leaving players responding, no, that can't be everything. What's this game really about? Well, that's what it's about. A game about inventory management, fetch quests, long dialogue, slow walking, backtracking, crouching, and sneaking constantly. Oddball, nonsensical story writing. I could just go on. He even voiced photorealistic actors with different voice actors. Kojima made a game about all the things we hate about games and absolutely nailed it. This is something genius and special. I keep telling myself I shouldn't like it. And I just can't tear myself away from it. I think that's the purpose of this game, to give a big middle finger to the larger production companies and to say, while you're so obsessed with microtransactions, time to value, and trying to keep players stuck grinding just to milk everything out of the base, you held back genius. Pretty interesting. I don't know if I completely agree with that assessment of of what the game is trying to do. But I kind of love that take on it, and I agree that it is riveting, at least for me. I, I am also in that that place of like I, I have a hard time putting my finger on why I like doing things in this game that I don't like doing in other games, and I've had a really hard time trying to figure out why I bounced off of Breath of the Wild so hard and didn't bounce off this. Because I think Breath of the Wild is a more traditionally fun experience. And yet Death Stranding, I'm just so much more intrigued by. And I, I think, you know, I recognize Breath of the Wild as being something very, very special. And and I had a good, I don't know, 12 hours with it. But ultimately didn't finish it and kind of felt like I don't really need more of that. And I, I think it's because... I, I, I honestly don't know why, but I, I want think... to throw Red Dead Two into this and that mental analysis that you do at some yes. point down the line because you also not only bounced off Red Dead Two, you like vocal, vocally vocally yes. disliked it on yes. multiple episodes. I mean, maybe that is a better comparison because I like I understand why people like Breath of the Wild and I I liked it. I just didn't love it like most people love it. Um, yeah, but I think you're right. Red Dead 2 is much more the comparison point because I was very frustrated by Red Dead 2, felt like it didn't value my time, felt like it was you know tedious and uh, lugubrious in all the worst ways. And here, then Death Stranding, 
I'm like, no, it's, it's exactly, it's perfect. It's great. And it's not perfect, but you know, it's like, you know, I, I'm enjoying those things about it. And the devil's in the details, right? It's all about the, the, the detail of how that is expressed, but it's a hard thing for me to understand why it works here and doesn't work other places. I think there's a, I mean, people talk about Red Dead as being this beautiful uh, meditative thing, the way I described Death Stranding, uh, because there's there are moments in Death Stranding where you're, you know, you're walking along on this wasteland of America and, and you know everything's gorgeous and the music kicks in and the camera kind of pulls back a little bit. And I'm just like, there's no place else I'd rather be than just sort of walking along in this world. And I know people feel that about <laughs> Red Dead 2. Yeah, I talked about it on several episodes. <laughs> I just didn't nev- never felt I always felt like, oh, this is so tedious. Even as I was looking at Red Dead 2 going, this is one of the most beautiful digital interactive experiences of all time. It's so gorgeous. But I always I just felt like, oh, it may be just down to the fact that I've never been super into Westerns as like a, as a fantasy place to live in. Um, and I am super interested in, in sci-fi stories. Apocalyptic America. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 it's a, it's a puzzle even to me and I wish I had a better answer for it, but I don't. I wonder, and this is real time thinking. I wonder if it's because in breath of the wild or red dead two, there's other stuff you could be doing that seems tantalizing or exciting to you. So the idea in Red Dead that like searching Dude. a drawer is slow and in real time and you're not doing like the gunslinging shootout at a thing or like getting that to a mission to start the mission takes a long time. And so you want to go do the mission instead of getting there. Whereas Death Stranding, having not played it yet and only read about how the last third of the game maybe plays out, but in these, whatever, the large chunk of the game, there's one thing to do kind of right so it's not like you got to do the thing to get to the fun yeah i i think you might be onto something here man i'm i also i, I also feel like red bed and breath of the wild just have very um their gameplay and the experiences that you have in the game are very common in probably every other game that we've played that are kind of the same genre and i think that that trending like you've probably never been in the role that you're playing with that character doing those same things although the mechanics are kind of similar but it's just like it's different mm-hmm. you're not doing the same things where yeah i feel like in red dead if you play red dead or you play and i i'll probably offend some people by saying this but like if you play red dead or you play gta or you play witcher those are all very common experiences that you've already experienced in other games um for many, many years. And I wonder if it's because it's just a little different from all of those. I I think you both might be right. I mean, I think the novelty of actually feeling like I'm playing something new. I mean, that was the first text I sent you, Christian, I think about Death Stranding is like, this is a new kind of game. It feels like something completely different. And I think that novelty felt special and interesting and I was so curious to do more of it. I think that, I think you're right, Katarina, that is a big part of it. And I also think it's a very insightful thing to say, Christian, about the idea that the tedium of Death Stranding isn't between action points. It isn't in the way of getting to the juicy stuff. 
it's all there is. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, that's the sum total of it, of everything. There's no, it's not a delay or a, or a speed bump to getting to the good stuff. <laughs> it, it is the stuff. It's the journey is the reward in that game. And I know a lot of people found the journey to be the reward in those other games we've mentioned, but maybe for me, I felt impatient to get through the journey to get to the destination because there was destinations and <laughs> death stranding. It's such a weird compliment to give a game. <laughs> There's no there there, but like, it's just, it's just, the being in the world and figuring it out and getting from place to place. I found that so fascinating that a game designer would make a game about just trying to get to a place. And yeah, I want called Kojima trying to get to a place where he wasn't making metal gear games anymore. Yeah. Like I mean, listen, <laughs> nobody cracked more wise about Kojima and death stranding in the run up to the release of this game than I did. I, I was super, uh, snarky about it the whole time saying oh never it's never going to come out it's too weird so to have me you know completely 180 on the game and be so effusive about it it feels weird for me and it feels weird in context of how we're talking about it of like these other similar games that i bounced off of but i think you guys have both pointed out a couple of really interesting reasons that might be the case um but i'm still digging it i still haven't finished it i'm still find myself doing more and more. And the fact that now I'm playing it with way more people on my friends list who are also playing it means that my world is populated by even more cool, weird stuff that other people are making. And it's just like, I don't, I don't even want to push this game for, I just want to keep <laughs> taking stuff from place to place. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Katarina, do you have any desire to play it or have you played? I it? do. I do. I just, I do not have time right now. Yeah. So definitely when I go back home though, um, for the holidays, I, I do want to dive into it. Um, yeah. hey, I, hey Katarina, I find, it's, yeah, it's me destiny. It's, it's destiny. You don't need to play death stranding. <laughs> it's another D game anyway. Yeah. What? That game, <laughs> that game has the power to do that to me. It's the exact <laughs> voice that plays in my head every day when I'm like, okay, I'm just going to play after party or I'm going to play death trending and then it, i see like the destiny logo and i'm like oh okay okay destiny i'll do that um but no i definitely want to play it like when whenever a new game that just tries to do something different comes out uh from whoever that is i just i just really like to explore so i at least can form my own opinion of it um i've been watching a couple of streams but um i'm i actually don't want to watch a lot just because i kind of want to figured it out by myself yeah so, i think that's yeah. wise i think it, it's a game that as it as you kind of grok it it's like oh it's kind of like i mean kojima even predicted that he's like halfway through people are gonna be like oh i get it this, this is it this is the whole thing um but yeah i mean i think that's uh that's interesting um all right. I want to thank our second sponsor which is health iq Every episode almost, uh, I start talking about uh, giving a high five to the geeks and snakes. And we, you know, we love our legion of geeks and snakes. I get tweets all the time, emails from people saying, hey, listened to the new episode of DLC while I was running or while I was cycling or while I was exercising in the gym. Uh, and you know what? You should be rewarded for that. If you're a healthy person, you get a good night's sleep, you eat quality foods, uh, plant-based diets, things 
you're doing, you're treating yourself right. You're exercising, uh, you know, regularly. You're doing the things that you want to do to have a long, healthy life. You should be rewarded, financially rewarded for your commitment to a healthy lifestyle. And that is what Health IQ is all about. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates for people like you on life insurance. So if you're a runner or a cyclist or you're in a CrossFit or another type of, of athletics, even if you're a committed weekend warrior, you don't have to be, you know, Superman uh, or woman. Uh, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you deserve to be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. And Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else, and you must qualify to get the special rate. So to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash DLC. Take their proprietary Health IQ quiz, and depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash DLC, and that lets them know we sent you here at DLC, and you can start the process with Health IQ uh, on their Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment, and you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. So one more time, that's healthiq.com slash DLC, H-E-A-L-T-H-I-Q.com slash DLC. All right, I got to talk a little bit about VR this week because there's a pretty awesome new release that just came out and it's from some of my favorite developers uh, in the VR space. Um, it is a game called Pistol Whip. Uh, Pistol Whip. It is uh, from Cloudhead Games. These are this is a company that I or a, a developer that I have championed for a long, long time from the very beginning of VR because they were one of the early adopters of VR and they did a series are continuing to do a series called The Gallery, uh, which has two episodes out already. And they are still some of my favorite VR games uh, at all. They are VR adventure games. So cool. They developed some really, really innovative ways to use VR to tell stories and to make, uh, you know, it's uh, adventure games more tactile and visceral uh, that a lot of other developers have borrowed. I mean, these, these Cloudhead was right there at the beginning of uh, commercial VR. And now they've got a completely different kind of game that is uh, I, I'm equally digging. It's called Pistol Whip. And it's basically people are describing it like uh, if um, Beat Saber and Superhot had a baby, it would be Pistol Whip. And that's that pretty awesome. accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. So if you played Super Hot, you know that uh, you nothing in the environment moves unless you move. So if you move, the bad guys move. If you move, the bullets move, all that stuff. 
Pistol Whip is basically the complete inverse of that. You are always moving in Pistol Whip. It's as if you have been strapped to the um, the highway, is what they used to call it in in Guitar Hero. You know how in Guitar Hero or Beat Saber, stuff's coming at you constantly. You're you're like on this highway, and there are notes coming at you, and you have to uh, you have to hit the right notes as they pass through the highway. If you're playing rock band or guitar hero, you're familiar with that concept in beat saber it's in VR and they're coming at you, but uh, you're, you know, it's as if you're in this tunnel where things are coming at you. Pistol whip is as if you are on a track like that, but it is a track of action. It is a track like in super hot of bad guys coming at you from all, all over the place for above you, below you down corridors to your left and right in front of you, uh, and you are constantly moving. You don't do anything to create locomotion. It is happening anyway. You're on this track. You're on this roller coaster ride. You're just barreling down these different levels that they've created, and you've got guns, and you're taking out enemies. The aesthetic of the game is a little bit super haughty. It's it's abstracted. They're, the enemies are polygonal, and they don't have a lot of features, so it doesn't really feel like you're shooting people people it feels more like you're in this crazy vr space like in super hot and they explode and shatter very similarly but they've managed to kind of craft a a take on that that isn't exactly lifted from super hot it certainly feels inspired by super hot but it's it's more detailed a little bit different and the whole world is that so there are all these different levels that have different features in them themed in different ways and all of the thing, all the barrels and corridors and towers and walls and things that you see are all that sort of polygonal um, monotone, you know, monochromatic look to them, but, but also different than super hot's monochromatic polygonal look. Uh, They also all have awesome techno beats, awesome, you know, um, EDM, music that is the sort of driving beat like in beat saber to get you through the level and they get really cool and crazy and ultimately the combined experience of all that is you feel like you're in an epic action sequence i always described super hot as feeling like i'm choreographing an action sequence in real time because i'm like okay I'm going to bend down and that means the guy's going to move his arm over here and then I'm going to twist around and that means a bullet's going to barely miss my face. And so I feel like I'm choreographing the cool fight scene in pistol whip. It feels like I'm thrust into John wick. It feels like I'm doing, I am the most badass gunfighter of all time. I'm going at this incredibly fast rate with this driving techno beat and I'm just taking out hundreds of, of bad guys all around me. Some of them wearing uh, armor that takes multiple shots. Other I can just go pop, pop, pop and take them all down. I mean, it, ultimately, it's a giant shooting gallery, but one that is like on steroids. You're, just, you're going at this incredible rate. You're, you've got this driving beat in your ears and you're dodging bullets as they come at you. You're... You know, you can melee people as they get close to you, but you're mostly just whirling around shooting dudes. It, it is it is a incredible, incredibly cool feeling, and 
it is a mixture of that like arcade style rhythm game with a a skill based shooter. It, it's really fun. It's called Pistol Whip. Christian, have you heard of this one? I have. I watched a few videos about it. Uh, it it's hard because I think as uh, we all talked about and Katarina, I think started at the beginning of this episode. Um, Beat Saber is so good. Like, yeah, it is. I have a, it's kind of, I guess, Beat Saber is my destiny. I'm like, I'm going to try. Now, Beat Saber, I'll just play you. Like, it's, I'm excited for Vader Immortal, the final chapter of that to come out. But I, I think it's hard for me, to, a game that feels similar, it's hard to pull me away from Beat Saber, which I guess is a testament to uh, to that game's staying power. I really think you would dig this. Maybe I'll uh, bring it in with me next time I cool. see you and you'll give yeah. it a shot because uh, I think you'll dig it. It's it's different enough to feel like its own thing. I mean, its influences are are clear, um, but I mean, you loved Super Hot. You loved Beat Saber. Mixing them together creates something new. It certainly you know feels as if it 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 is of the DNA of those other games, but also is doing something a little different, a little new and a little, and really fun, man. It is, it's fun and not easy. It's, it's challenging too. I, you know, there's different difficulty levels on all all the levels, but I mean, it gets crazy stuff coming at you from all directions and you just, you feel, you know, in John wick where he's like takes down 30, 40 dudes in, in a single action sequence. Yeah. I'm playing that game point and click on my computer. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is different, man. You're actually whirling around. You're doing it. It's awesome. Well, as the guy who finally convinced me to try chocolate and peanut butter together, um, I guess I'll give this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did I do that? Did no. I do that? <laughs> I have I have heard about this game. Uh, we're actually um, uh, at work. Everyone is kind of going through like a VR craze right now, and so we do bring our VR headsets and 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 try to play as many games as we as we as we can and. Um, I've been reading a lot of my coworkers' Twitter feeds, and they've been talking about this game nonstop. I have not tried it, but from what um, I read and your very, very engaging, interesting description of the game just now, um, I honestly really want to go try it. So I might just go get it tomorrow and try the game because I, yeah. I both loved Beat Saber and Super Hot, and so a combination of those two sound, sounds pretty awesome. Well, Katarina, just based on your love of shooters in general, I think you'll dig this very much. Oof, I'm yeah. so curious what you think of it. It It's fun. And you, uh, you work up a sweat. It is, you know, it, like Beat Saber, you know, you're doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're moving. You're, you know, there's bullets coming out. You have to physically dodge them. There are pillars and things in your way that you have to physically dodge as well so you're moving all around and you're spinning you're taking guys out above you and they're like sections where they're you know you're literally looking down stairways and they're below you and they open a door and come out and you're like ah you have to shoot down it's it's wild but it is uh it's fun i think you'll really like it we'll definitely let you know how how i feel about it please yeah i'm curious um I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, based on your descriptions of work, Katerina, I'm down to work for Xbox. Like, I'll play <laughs> no. Death Stranding. Anyone, anyone should be down to work for Xbox, for sure. 
Um, I'll play VR. I'll play Destiny at lunch. <laughs> like you, let me know what I need to do. I, I'll, this sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will tell you. Uh, before before I worked for Xbox, I was actually kind of afraid of like, wait, is Xbox in like playing games just a hobby? Should I not be making this a, like a career? Will I get there and will I hate it? Um, and I can very safely say that no, that's absolutely not true. And it's been wonderful. And I work with amazing human beings. And I'm inspired to go to work every day because oh, I, I just feel like, yeah, one, we work super hard and I'm just surrounded by like way smarter people than I am. So I learn every single day, which is so important to me. And then, yes, we have a lot of fun together. Um, we talk about games, we, which obviously is a passion for most of the people uh, there. And so we always have that common ground to resort to. Um, so there's always stuff to talk about. There's always stuff to do. We all play games together. We organize a lot of uh, events and go play tabletop games uh, at the end of the uh, workday and all of that. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yes. Uh, the, VR, the VR craze is in- more interesting, I feel like, because right now you go through hallways and you just see a random person with a VR headset in the middle of the hallway uh, playing Beat Saber or some other game, and it just looks very, very ridiculous. <laughs> Next gen Xbox with VR headset confirmed. Christian. <laughs> yeah, well, confirmed I, right here. <laughs> this is my last episode, Jeff. So thank you. Yeah, uh, no, I, I tendering I filled my resignation. Out, filled out my uh, application as she was talking. Uh, <laughs> cool, I'll I interview lo- you both. <laughs> I love. It. I, I I think it would be funny if you're like you know you get the job there and they're like we lo- we are so excited to hire you because you love video games and everybody here loves video games. Here now are the actuary tables you'll be working on, and you you know. No one plays video games here. It's all just <laughs> spreadsheets from now yep. on. Yep. Yeah. Spreadsheets uh, and PowerPoints. <laughs> no, you're awesome. And I love I love hearing – it's just so inspiring. And um, it, it brings – like I said, it brings a smile to my face hearing somebody literally working their dream job. And it, it, oh, yeah. it didn't disappoint. Like it actually was what you wanted. That's amazing. Absolutely. That's cool. It's been wonderful. Well, it has been wonderful having you on the show. Uh, we will uh, we will wrap things up now, and uh, we do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Katerina Macedo, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. You guys do ama- an amazing job with the podcast. I've been uh, listening to a lot of the previous episodes, and it's amazing what you do. So it was an honor to be here. Um, it was a lot of fun to chat with you for sure well thank you well we'd love to have you back sometime down the road but in the meantime tell people where they can keep up with you and the things that you do online absolutely so i actually am super active on twitter so you can find me um at academy kx and that's a c-a-t-a-m-y-k-x that's actually my alias for everything online so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, you can. That's also my gamer tag everywhere in the online gaming world. So you can follow me on Xbox and PlayStation and Battle.net and all of those. Um, and that's probably the best way to keep up with what I do and reach out if you want to. Fantastic, Christian Spicer. What about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, apparently, I'm going to be going on Destiny Two Rage with Katarina here in a little bit. So, yeah, your new uh, job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> my new job. Yeah. Um, 
Not a whole lot this week in terms of like other places for people to see or hear me. I don't think I have uh, much stand-up going on this week. But if I do, it'll be in L.A. Twitter's the best way to find out about that at Spicer. Those shows are usually kind of booked and announced same week. Um, And then while this episode was not because I was um, out later. And so thank you to both of you for recording later with me. But typically... I will stream this show live Sundays at 7.15 p.m. on my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Jeff, uh, what about you? Well, you can listen to me on some other shows, including the Slash Filmcast, where I talk about movies and TV shows. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. We'll be talking about Dr. Sleep this week, the new Stephen King movie or is that when you play luigi's mansion while your family sleeps (laughs) yeah i guess uh if you made it that would be um (laughs) and uh the other show that i do that i'm super proud of is called the dungeon run it is a live play dungeons and dragons show i'm the dungeon master and that means that i'm crafting a story that is being played by a bunch of really fantastic players i urge you to check it out i'm so proud of this project i want it to continue forever and uh, i mean we've just gotten such incredible feedback from people that that watch the show uh you can find it on youtube if you search for the dungeon run on youtube you can listen to it as an audio show uh as a pure podcast you can find that anywhere you get podcasts by searching for the dungeon run often people uh listen to it that way because it, it's very long but it kind of plays like an audiobook it's really fun uh, and uh, the uh, the show records live every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time, and you can actually participate live with us. The live audience influences the story. It's really cool. Uh, you can do that by going to caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. I'm also on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And if you want to email us here at this show, as I said, very grateful for the emails we got this week. They were thoughtful and respectful and well-considered. Uh, But anything you want to send us, uh, recommendations, comments on the show, uh, anything at all, we appreciate getting all of that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Katarina, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? So He's Dark Materials, I don't know if you guys have heard about it, uh, but it's an HBO TV show that just started. Um, And uh, the first episode came out last week. Second one is coming uh, this week. And I'm a huge fan of the book trilogy that um, this TV show is based on. Uh, They did it kind of a disservice when they first came out with a movie a few years ago. The movie wasn't so good, but the books are amazing and the original material is absolutely amazing and they have a wonderful cast for this TV show. So I'm super excited to... The first episode was honestly amazing, so I'm I'm super excited to just see more of it and I highly recommend it to people if they are looking for something new to watch. Awesome. That's His Dark Materials and it's on HBO. Christian Spicer, how about you? You got a parting gift? Yeah, I, I I've gone. I'm rebreaking in a pair of Birkenstocks. Um, <laughs> Re rebreaking in? Well, a new pair. It's been a very long time, and then I was like, you know what? I I want Birkenstocks again. Like everybody, I feel like had them when I was little, and there was like Birkenstocks and socks, and then Birkenstocks became not cool because they were too cool. You know, like the whole 
rise and fall of uh, trends. And I was like, you know what? Birkenstocks are back. Uh, maybe they're never going anywhere. Um, first time as an adult wearing them. Uh, my feet hurt, but I'm excited to break them in. <laughs> All right. So I, if you have you know, forgotten about the beauty of, of what a nice Birkenstock can be and how it will mold to your foot. If you spend the right time with it, uh, you know, give it a shot. It's winter. So it's a weird time to do it. Yeah, I was just going to say nothing like mid November for a pair of sandals, dude, it was like 88 this weekend. So yeah, yeah, we are in Los Angeles. It's all, that's definitely not the case in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay, well I take, I take my application back then. I'm not, I'm on the fence. (laughs) You can't work remote. You never know. (laughs) Okay. I'm back in. I'm back in. I'll work via X cloud. I'm in, I'm in. Awesome. Uh, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Daniel Walsh. Daniel says, Hey everyone, medium time, first time. I'd like to recommend a book. It's not exactly new, so apologies if it was mentioned when it came out. But with Rise of the Sk- of Skywalker coming out soon, it feels worth mentioning. It's called How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. The book is a biography of the franchise going from George Lucas's childhood all the way to the Disney purchase and everything in between. A fascinating read for any Star Wars fan or even just people who like hearing about movies or the creative process in general. Highly recommend it. Very cool. Thank you, Daniel. That's um, how Star Wars conquered the universe. Sounds interesting. I have to check that one out. Thanks for sending it. If you want to have your parting gift read on the show you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com my parting gift is also a uh, television show uh, one that i have enjoyed it i watched uh, all eight episodes of living with yourself this is a a show that debuted recently on netflix uh, and it stars stars paul rudd and paul rudd Uh, it is about uh paul rudd accidentally cloning himself and what happens after that uh, and I'm, you know, I'm always a fan of of that conceit of the actor playing opposite themselves. And this one, it's done pretty darn well, uh, much better than Gemini Man, I would even say. <laughs> um, and it's a, I think it's a thoughtful, interesting, cool bit of sci-fi that delves into, you know, the ramifications of trying to better yourself. And it's funny and poignant and interesting. I, I really dug it. It's called Living with Yourself, and it's on Netflix. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Katarina Macedo and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thank you to everyone that hung out in our chat room. Thanks to all the folks listening to the show right now. That means you. We really appreciate you. And we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.